Welcome to the, the Untold Hour. I'm back, back again. Only one week away. That wasn't too bad. It was like a week and a half. Yeah, right? but it as far as like, the podcast goes, it was just one episode. That's true. It felt like a month. It was a, it was a lot. Was it, uh, as much as you can tell me, was it a lot? What did you do? Um. Well, I went to an island... Okay. Uh, local to the US. <laughs> and um and uh yeah. And that's it. That's, <laughs> that's all you it. can say. Cool. Um let me just say this. I got um I have found things out about our uh national security as uh above and beyond like any other uh out of this world visitation that um, is almost as scary as any of the news coming out right now about I'm not sure what you mean. Yeah. Well, <laughs> once, the, once it, it's pretty, like, unnerving. Okay. It's pretty unnerving. Okay. Um, we talked to some really, really uh, informed, high-up-there people that also had a lot of information on just the day-to-day dealings between um, a variety of countries, and all of it was very terrifying. Okay, interesting. You know, so, yeah. Wow. Yeah, so, and then on top of it, I was just outside in the rain for a full two weeks for, like, 14 to 15 hours a day every day. Yeah. There's that, too. Well, in your absence, we had quite oh, wait, a party. I'm not done. Oh, wait, okay. I'm not done. I also, on the first night, smashed my head into a concrete slab uh, so hard that I actually managed to start bleeding a little bit. Had I not had my father's adventurer's hat on, I definitely would have been um, getting stitches. So that oh saved gosh. that saved me from braining myself. And then um, um, something else happened. Oh, I burned my arm. On what? The stove making enchiladas. Well, does this have anything to do with your no, trip? This is just you at home. But it still hurts. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going down my list of complaints <laughs> right. at this point. Right. And then, um, oh, so I'm actually, okay, if I sound weird, I'm actually going to have to go back to the doctors to get a CT scan on my lungs now. Well, you've talked about this a little bit, yes. that, that there's uh, issues that you're still investigating in your respiratory system. Mm-hmm. It's not COVID. It's nothing like that. I actually suspect, okay, so I don't know how much I've told you guys already and or the audience, but a while back I had to go in for a surgery and they put me under. They didn't do twilight. They like put me under. And I think the tube... Might have done some damage in there. Wow. I'm still, or I just got a, you know, or I just got sick and it's hanging around because I didn't do enough of the steroids because I, you know, who knows why? I don't like yeah. taking pills, so it could be something like that. I don't know. Anyway, all of those above, all of that and above. So, uh, yeah, it's been both a very much of a uh, a fun but trying January. Yeah. 
I bonked myself on the head the other day, Aww. and it was such an awkward interaction. I was on my daily hike, and yep. uh, a portion of the hike I I run, and um, there were some young filmmakers up at the pond that I run by that were shooting something with no mm-hmm. permit. And I'm, you know, I'm like the cool uncle. I know what that's about. I've shot at the same pond with no permit. Mm-hmm. And uh, I didn't want to get in their way. I had my AirPods in. So I didn't say anything out loud. I just kind of like made the gesture of, I'm going to go around you. Don't worry. They were set up for a shot. And I would have been in there, you know, right in their way if I had kept on my path. So I darted off to go around them. And I just fucking slammed into a oh, low-hanging no. branch. And oh, no. There was only about five of them, but I slammed into this fucking branch. It knocked my hat off. Yeah. I still had my music blaring, so I couldn't hear what they were saying, but they were like, oh my God, are you okay? Oh, coming in my direction. Mm-hmm. And I just said out loud over my music, like, I'm fine. Hey, sorry, guys. I'm fine. Hey, sorry, 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 sorry. Picked up my hat and like moved on quickly out of embarrassment without stopping and even engaging with them. But that Aww. hurt for... The, the rest of the day and into the next morning, I fucking hurt so bad. Oh, I, I know. felt you so You probably stupid. gave yourself a mild concussion. I mean, I... I might have, man. I think, th- I think I did too because I started feeling a little nauseous. Yeah. <laughs> and the guys yeah. are like, I'm pretty sure you maybe scrambled your brains a little, a little bit. Right. Like, cause you, and not because the, the hit... I can't believe we're still talking about this, but the hit wasn't hard. It was the fact that I was completely unprepared for it. So there I was... No, right? It's such a like, shock. Yeah, there was like, it was just out of the blue. And I was just yeah. like, kadonks. So I got a I got a pretty beefy backyard update, which I haven't Ooh. given in a while. Okay, well, let's spend some time on that because I thought, because I'm still kind of not really feeling all that great, but also because I'm still playing catch up because I just got back like two days ago. Yes. Actually, not even like one. Um, I uh, I'm having this be... Even though we're supposed to have themed months, I'm having at least this episode be like an overall of like weird news that totally. I missed while I was gone, but was still reading about and or stuff that's a little bit more recent. And so this will backyard updates perfect for that kind of uh, yeah. vibe. I mean, I'm not saying it's going to give us 10 minutes, but it's it's mm. it's beefy in the sense that it was pretty high octane. Mm-hmm. Um, so the other day. A new player showed up in my backyard, this gray and white cat. I don't know where it came from. It was the middle of the day, and it's just sitting in our backyard looking around. I walked out and gave it some food. I put some food down in, like, kind of, we've got a little alleyway by our house. on alleyway, but it's, like, where we keep our, our trash. And Yeah, I've seen your place. Yeah, so... He was very excited to eat this food. Oh, he's hungry. Hungry? He didn't look too dirty, so he wasn't like a roughneck street cat. I think mm. he was somebody's cat that maybe got out. So I, I got a good picture of him. I love trying to get a good picture for Nextdoor.com. Yeah. <laughs> uh, sniped a good pic. I got him to turn around, put it on Nextdoor. I said, this little gray and white dude's been showing up. Let me know if he's yours. No one claimed him. Everybody on next door, there was a couple reshares. Some people chimed in, but they didn't take ownership over him. So he skittered off. Then late last night, my cat Puck uh, goes out pretty late. I don't like him going out too late, but sometimes I let him out past 10 o'clock. Last night, I let him out at 11 o'clock because I had to be up late anyway for some work. And at midnight, I can't get him in. 
12.30, I can't get him in. 1 o'clock, I can't get him in. I'm out there calling Puck, Puck. I'm shaking treats. Oh, so he's not even, you can't even see him. He's can't like even total see MIA. Him. He's, he, he's, he could be across the street. He likes fighting the possums and raccoons across the street. He could be, he gets into this fight with this black cat on the other side of our yard. But at 1.30, I go to the back door to just do another round of shaking treats and calling his name. And before I can even open the back door, I look through the back window and he's on the porch looking out in the yard, like full attention, you know, like rigid <laughs> posture. And I'm like, oh, he's looking at something. He's at, he's in a face-off. I open the door, and it's like a horror movie. I'm like, puck, and he doesn't turn around, you know? He's just got his back toward me. And I get closer, and I'm like, puck, what are you looking at? And I'm thinking, I mean, I could see, it could be a little coyote. It could be a possum. I don't know. But, of oh. course, I, I creep around, and it's that gray and white cat in my backyard again at 1.30 in the morning. Well, of course. You put food out. I, I know. And I don't mind him coming back because I wouldn't mind trying to get a hold of him and seeing if I don't think he's got a, a collar of any kind, but he's pretty fluffy. So it's hard to tell from afar. But so what I tried to do is I tried to grab Puck so that the gray cat could chill and I was going to bring him some more food, have a little late night snack. But the second I got like close to Puck, he charged the gray and white cat. Cat fight, 1.30 in the morning, screeching, Jeez. screeching and howling in my little alleyway. And I was... Puck's not really the most aggressive. He usually backs down from a cat fight. I felt bad because the gray and white cat was like, all right, dude, fuck, fuck. You know, like, mm -hmm. he's like, I'll leave, I'll leave. They gave me food the other day. I felt he, he was confused because he felt invited. And Puck ran him all the way up over the fence. The poor gray cat, like, ran down the neighbor's alley, freaked the fuck out. And then Puck stays up on the fence, you know, like, yeah, like a, don't like a come back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, all right, dude, you fucking made your point. Get down. And yeah. he won't come down. Man, Puck sounds a bit like a dude bro. He was a little dude bro about this. And that's what made me mad. Because I was like, dude, you need to be chiller about someone that is in need of some food or maybe some love showing up in your spot. I mean, I appreciate how defensive he was. Because if it is ever a fucking predator, um, then by all means, run it the fuck off. But... I couldn't even get him down from the fence. He was so laser locked on this poor guy. I love that you think your cat is going to run off a predator. They do. They do. I Haven't feel you ever like, seen the videos? I feel like it's a it's a slim Dude. it's a slim chance because having walked out of my front yard only to see the cat across the street having lost his battle with a pack of I coyotes. Know. It's I know. Not, I don't know. But you never know. There. Have you seen that incredibly viral video of that I've cat? I've seen some, And yes. the three coyotes? Now, granted, <laughs> that cat was going to be killed, but it defended itself for long enough for then the humans to shoo away the coyotes. But anyway, I couldn't get him off the fence. I had to get a broom for my own damn cat and, like, knock him down off the fence and shoo him, shepherd him back into the house. And then he comes into the house and he's, like, shaking it off like... He's like, like a dude, bro, that's Puck's you know, a like, dick. calming down. I know. I was like, dude, shake it off. And he's like, all right, fuck. You know, like, wouldn't didn't want to be touched. Wanted to just drink his water and, like, sit down for a little bit. Oh, my God, what a brat. So, anyway, we went to bed at 2 o'clock in the morning. And then it's always so funny to see him snuggle up to go to sleep. And he's just like, oh, I'm so tired now. Like, yeah, because <laughs> you, you kept us all up till 2 in the morning fighting alley cats. So that could be a new player in Bowser's backyard. I'm sure it's going to be a continuing saga because we fed him.
And uh, yeah. I want to see if he comes back because I don't like the idea of this. You know, you can tell when a cat's a street cat. Yeah. This cat's not a street cat. Well, hopefully Puck didn't hurt him too bad. And Yeah. And it sounds like your your cat needs to go uh, and learn a little humility. He needs some anger management classes or he needs yes, like, he you does. know, some some uh, defeating toxic masculinity classes or something. <laughs> yeah, he does. Yeah. All right. Well, speaking of hikes, going back to your first story. Sure. Um, I, here's our first uh, uh, weird of the week. I guess. Alrighty. Ready for this? Police arrest six people who changed the Hollywood sign to Holly Boob. Yes, I was hoping this would be one yes, of the stories. Yes, I mean it's uh, it's it happened what yesterday, so this is yeah. relatively brand new for us. Uh, the prank occurred this past Monday, yeah, February first, because we're shooting or recording this on the second. Yeah, uh, it was a six-person team: five men, one woman. Uh, the group made the change by covering the letters W and D to look like B. Uh, by covering them up with a tarp. So they didn't cause any permanent damage. They couldn't cause any damage at all. It actually sounds like reading the article that they just used a tarp to like, you know, manipulate the, totally. the sign. Yeah. Once arrested, the six people told the LAPD that they did the prank. Now, this is where things get a slightly weird where I'm like, oh. But uh, once arrested, the six told the LAPD that they did the prank to bring awareness to breast cancer and then uh, in an interview, the LAPD Sergeant Leonard Calderon said that he did not or that they did not do any permanent damage uh, to the top of the sign. They have been arrested, however, for suspicion of misdemeanor trespassing and were issued citations and then later released. They still have to go to court. Uh, once they go to court, they're hoping, you know, fingers crossed that because they didn't do any damage and it was, you know, the, I mean... They said it was for a good cause, and then you read the rest of the article, and you're like, oh, what's really going on here? But whatever. You know, they didn't do anything terribly, terribly bad. <laughs> well, Breast Cancer Awareness Month is October, though, too. Well, yes. Yeah, so, okay. So, that brings us to, yes, the next part of this, which is <laughs> when I started questioning the real intentions. So, Julia Rose, the one woman in the team, is the founder and CEO of Shag Mag. Uh, and she took credit for the prank, saying it was partly for fun, but also partly serious. She said that she also did the stunt. This is the serious part. She did the stunt in an effort to get the attention of Adam Masseri, who's the head guy over at Instagram, because her Instagram account, both her personal one and her business pages, which have six million followers, was recently taken down due to nudity. Because it's like Shag Mag is a, you know... An adult magazine. Okay. Her accounts reflect that, I suspect. I, I don't I don't know. I've never seen them. And so her stuff got taken down. She says, this is a quote from her in this article. My product is nearly identical to that of Playboy's, and my content may even be considered safer than what Playboy's been allowed to publish on your platform, Rose told this device. I want to know how they are picking and choosing which accounts to disable and why. Now, there's an irony behind her doing this to the uh, Hollywood sign, and I'll talk to you about that in part two of my personal take on this story, which is uh, <laughs> a, a history, a quick history lesson on the Hollywood sign. Um, um, as to why she's irritated that her stuff isn't being treated the same as uh, Playboy's. Yeah. Uh, so Mark Panettiere who is the chairman of the Hollywood Sign Trust, which maintains the sign at Griffith Park, told the paper that it was, quote, unfortunate that such an important icon for the city of L.A. is not being appreciated 
This is an icon that's there for visual reinforcement of the importance of Hollywood, not just for the city of LA, but to the world. Uh, however, this is not the first time that it has been adjusted as a prank because, what, 2017, somebody revamped it to say Hollyweed, which I absolutely adored. Yeah. That was hilarious. Um, I also get a little bit eye-rolly with Mark Pantier's take on the Hollywood sign. and right. Because, like most stuff in Hollywood, it's very... Um, What's the word for when it's like something's like fake glamour or like you're acting like like you have uh you're like yeah. more important than you actually should be. Right. Like it's not like they defaced we yeah, well, this just is his, delicate. The symbolism, like, the symbolism that he's referring to this Hollywood sign representing, which is this like immortal important icon of the city of LA. Yeah, it's also like, yeah, but let me remind you of and this is where we get into our Hollywood sign lore. It's just a gigantic billboard. <laughs> right. And also, like, Hollywood stands for a great many things that aren't honorable. The Holly I like the idea that the, yeah. ho the Hollywood sign, uh, I'm not going to in any way condone vandalization. Vandalization. But they didn't vandalize it. Right. I think they, it's they funny They actually that, were not charged with vandalizing because they didn't because do any Because they didn't do anything damage. to alter it. So, like... I think it's kind of funny if it gets fucked with every once in a while. Me That's too. also in the spirit of Hollywood. Hollywood's Absolutely. a bunch of fucking like it's whatever the it's it's they didn't people deface the Lincoln here. Memorial. Yeah, people you know? come here because it's a marketing and PR machine right. that churn, that uses people and churns them out and some people manage to make it work for them and and a lot of people don't. And right. to try and pretend that this place is all hunky-dory and just like the city of your dreams is absolutely ridiculous. Right. Which is also why I absolutely hated <laughs> the movie La La Land. Oh, dude. I tell <laughs> oh, you. Oh, my fucking God. I hated I mean, that movie so much. For us I was to talk sitting about. There, oh, anyway, that's a separate podcast. Well, yes. I was just going to say, though, but <sighs> for us to talk about it like three years after the fact is funny. But yes, the second I pressed play on, on La La Land, I was like, Y'all, this movie is not for me. This is no. I have I mean, no listen, relationship to this energy. Catchy tunes, awesome dancing. There's a lot in that movie to enjoy, and I get why people like it. But for its underlying message, I have big right. issues. Yeah. Anyway. I just don't. I just don't. I don't fuck with whimsy, and I think I've made that statement before. I don't fuck with whimsy. So if the if the overriding tone of something is whimsy. I'm like, get me the fuck out. If the character's primary expression would be a smirk or a knowing nod or wink, I'm out. Knives out, I'm out. If you Knives got out smirk, was okay. I'm was out. Okay, I'm I'm for whimsy. This has become now a movie podcast. I'm for whimsy. <laughs> An example that I would say where I thought uh, whimsy worked really well, in particular for me, was like the movie Amelie. Love that fucking movie. You couldn't love. describe another movie I also dislike. <laughs> love it. Oh, that's love a perfect example of that whimsy movie. I don't fuck with. I don't but fuck see, with Amelie. I don't mind that movie as much as La La Land because that yeah. movie, the underlying message is, is just like, I, you know, people falling in love. And people do in real life fall in love all the time. Uh, yeah. It's an attainable goal for the majority of folks out there. There will yeah. you will always find, well, hopefully, always find somebody that loves you at some point in your life. You have been loved, 
Whereas and- for a La La Land, it's like, hey, you know, <laughs> spend all your money and your time out here trying to become famous. Uh, but and 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 you know what? Like, and like the message is being given to you by people that are already already like, famous, <laughs> largely the most famous people ever. Mm-hmm. So to see them, see them pretend to try to like break in and do auditions, I mean, I'm just like, fuck you. No, arguably, Amelie is a lot deeper and has much more nuance, and you know, it's they're different. Quality anyway, film. That was a hard sure. left, but the whole we're talking point, Hollywood. We're talking talking Hollywood. Hollywood. The whole point that I wanted the the point that I was going to make in regards to Mark Pan, Panettiere, who is that guy that mm-hmm. runs the current Hollywood Sign Trust, with his quote on how amazing this icon is, and it is super cool. Yes, but let's not us forget that it's just a gigantic billboard, and here is why. Uh. Although Hollywood has managed to romanticize the sign over time, I wrote this, by the way, even though it sounds like I'm reading this, I actually wrote this to myself. Uh, Although Hollywood has managed to romanticize the sign over time through its self-promotional slash marketing machinations, originally the Hollywood sign was nothing more than a billboard in order to sell real estate. There you go. Basically, Hollywood was starting to become a destination because people were trying to become famous and the movies were making enough money to be considered legitimate businesses now. So people were moving out to L.A. And they were starting to move outside of the downtown area because it was cheaper. So as far as I can tell, Hollywood sign uh, at the time, which was called Hollywood Land, was a right. gigantic billboard to advertise for affordable, like middle to upper middle class housing. From yeah. what I from what I've been able to find out. So like I said before, I was first placed within the hills of Griffith Park in 1923 and originally read Hollywood Land. It also used to light up. Each letter was surrounded by bulbs and would flash in segments. So first Holly and then that would go out and then wood would flash and then that would go out and then land would flash. Uh, The sign was supposed to be a temporary sign, just a temporary billboard to advertise this subdivision and was intended to be up for about a year and a half, but then obviously lasted much, much longer. Here's my other point. Next next bit of trivia. Much like everything in Hollywood, Hollywood liked exploiting the sign but didn't like to pay for it. <laughs> oh, that one hits home. Mm-hmm. So even though it went from a real estate billboard to a cinema icon, the actual sign really wasn't that well taken care of. So um, here's a couple of major events within the Hollywood. I'm like burp barfing. Oh, Sorry. my gosh. I had DiGiorno before I started, and now I'm drinking a seltzery drink, and I had to burp. Oh, no, um, we're never getting DiGiorno as a sponsor. I don't know. Burp, I'm trying. Burp barfing. <laughs> it's good, though. I mean, I didn't yeah. mind tasting it again. Anyway. For sure. Um, I, it was their uh, it was their new crust that we were trying out at this house because we're big junk, fu- junk food addicts, and uh, it was amazing. It honestly tasted as good as, like, delivery, which is their ad. <laughs> It's, it really sounds like you're doing an ad read. Right but I'm now. not. It's legit. I liked it. Okay. Anyway, I swear it's not an ad. I just really liked it. Okay. So, yes, like I said, even though it went from a real estate billboard to cinema icon, <clears throat> the actual sign wasn't that well taken care of. So, a lot of people probably have heard of the story of a Hollywood actress famously kind of committing suicide from the H in the Hollywood sign way back in the day. Well, that was actually on September 4th of 1938. It was Peg Entwistle, 
She was actually uh, from Britain, and she was a and she moved here to the states, and she was a very successful Broadway actress living out of New York for a while, and then she ended up getting a chance to basically start a career out in California, in L.A., making movies. She moved out here. A couple of things happened to her um, on a personal level, but then also um, that's when the depression really hit. Like, was it like in the cusp of it so it was like you either make it or you don't there's like no waiting time like it's like whatever's hard for hollywood people to break into normally just times that by a billion because you've got a ton of talented people all are who are attractive and all are who are literally hungry because mm-hmm. none of nobody has any work so she was like you know she was struggling when she came out um but uh, uh, there's a couple great podcasts that go into really good, uh, um, like factual deep dives on her and what led up to her choice and like how all of that played out. One of which I highly recommend is You Must Remember This. It's one of my favorites. Um, I've actually, you know, go check that out. Check the pe- Peg Ent Whistle one out. So anyway, uh, so that happened in 1938 with Peg. Uh, by the 1940s, apparently the signs caretaker was drunk driving and drove his car off of a cliff and into the sign, thereby oh destroying the H. However, others dispute this story and say that actually just high winds knocked the H over. I believe either. Honestly, I wouldn't be shocked to find out either or of those would be true. Yeah. Um, by 1949... The Hollywood Chamber of Commerce made an effort to give the old sign new life, but in order to do so was required to agree that land of Hollywood land should be removed from the sign so that it only read Hollywood in order to reflect the area's growing industry and fame and not the housing company it was originally known for. Uh, They also decided to repair the sign without the light bulbs this time around because neither the Park Service nor the Chamber of Commerce wanted to pay for it. So that's why it's just uh, white. Yeah. By the 1970s, the sign was again in major disrepair, which I am wondering now if once upon a time in Hollywood, if you can ever see the Hollywood sign in the background, and if you can, if it reflects what the Hollywood sign was supposed to look like then, because all of that, I can see you typing to search. I'm going to look it up. Because all of that is supposedly taking place around that time. So in the 1970s, the sign was in major disrepair again. One of the O's had actually cracked and broken a piece off of it so that now it resembled a U and the other O had totally fallen over and was like not even there anymore. It's so funny. I actually remember talking to my parents about this when I was little. I don't know why, but I just remember having a conversation about it. It was weird. It's like a total passing memory. And so basically at that point, the sign read, Holy wad. <laughs> oh my or, gosh. Holy uh, wode. So H U L L Y W O D is what it basically looked like for most of the 70s. I don't think it's damaged uh, during Once Upon a Time in Hollywood at all. Dang it, there's a detail that they might have missed. Well, it depends. Didn't you say it was 70 something? 1970s it was it wasn't until 1978 that it started getting re-repaired. So depending on what when I guess Tate's murder occurred. Once upon a time in Hollywood takes place in 69. Yeah. So that should, it should have been, I mean, yeah, it didn't just crumble like overnight. It it should huh. have been on its way out by then. So it should, it should look weird. Gotcha. 
Okay, so this is the part that ties into the statement I made earlier about um, um, about Julia Rose, the CEO and founder of Shag Mag and her Instagram account. How she compared herself and her account to what Playboy's doing, which is the whole reason why they did this stunt in the first place. In 1978, largely in part because of Hugh Hefner, founder of Playboy, a massive public campaign to restore the sign occurred, with the sign now being made of metal letters and reinforced beams, which only needed to be repainted white every couple years. And as far as I am aware, the Hugh Hefner-endorsed Hollywood sign is still the sign that we currently see in the hills today. Interesting. So she, in her outrage of having her Instagram blocked and comparing herself and her content to Playboy, actually went and messed with, in my opinion, probably unknowingly, with the Hollywood sign that Hugh Hefner, founder of Playboy, actually helped revive to be an icon of Hollywood. Well, unless she knew that and she was like, Hefner would approve that I'm turning it into Hollyboob. I hope she did. My guess is she didn't. because, And I only say that because it doesn't come up in any of the articles that I read. Yeah. Yeah. And so I feel like if that was a real reason, like a like, like that's a pretty, you know, that's a pretty uh outstanding reason. Like right. that's deep. That's a deep that's a deep dig, you know? Deep yeah. cut. So I feel like if that was what you were doing when you were interviewed by a newspaper, that is the first thing you would want to say to prove your point. Like, right. hey, I'm the same my content is the same as his. I'm covering up the sign in protest for having my sign deleted and covered up. Yeah. Uh, and since he supported this and this is, you know, blah, 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 blah. You can, you know, I didn't have right. time to make a really concise argument, but you see where I'm going with it. I feel like that would be what you would lead with. Instead, it was my Instagram account got erased and yeah. I want to attract the attention of the head honcho over at totally. Insta. No, I agree. I agree. Needless to say, it's funny how history just kind of does that yeah. stuff, you know? Yeah, I know. Like so a snake it. eating its tail. Yes, 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 yes. So the next story I have is the... Uh, has the Dialtov Pass incident been solved? Did you see this yet? No, but I know that story, I think, if it's what I'm thinking of. But uh, uh, I didn't see the has it been solved update. I'll give everybody a little bit of a background on the mystery behind it. It was one of my favorite mysteries of all times. I actually read about this during a break while we were shooting this um, past episode uh, so I'm always really interested in this because I think it sounds it's just so scary um, yeah. up until this point. Now, when you read the scientist's remark, it, it stops being I mean, it's still scary, but in a different way. So the Dialtov Pass incident also but actually before I even start that apologies across the board for any mispronunciations of a variety of hardcore Russian names right. that I might I might be dropping. Yeah. All right. So the Dialtov Pass incident in which nine hikers died in the Ural Mountains or Ural Mountains uh, happened in 1959, in February of 1959. Uh, it's been stumping scientists and investigators for years. I remember first coming across this story, 
gosh, in middle school, and it just scared the ever-loving crap out of me. It just sounds so terrifying because nobody had any real idea of what happened. It could have been tons of different stuff. Yeah. So that being said, for people that are unfamiliar or maybe just need a memory jog, here's a brief overview of what was known up until this point. So there were 10 people in total, eight men, two women, from the Urals Polytechnic Institute of in Yekaterinburg. Yekaterinburg. Uh, nine students and one sports instructor who had fought in World War II, and they decided to go on a hiking and skiing expedition. So they were kind of just all friends and hanging out, right? Like they were also students and all in the same class and stuff, but they it sounds like they were all friends. They And I also want to push the fact that they were also incredibly experienced hikers. Um, and I only say that because uh, in the article I linked to our Facebook page as well, or our Facebook group as well, uh, it seems like in the hindsight of the disaster, a lot of people in general thought that they, I don't want to say brought it on themselves, but like bit off more than they could chew yeah. on this dangerous hike with just a group, a small group of them out in these mountains. And uh, a lot of the scientists and, and a lot of historians have come back to say, listen, this was such a freak accident. And also these people were so highly trained, like don't add insult to injury by saying they didn't know what they were doing. This would have this would have thwarted anyone, anyone yeah. like it wouldn't matter. Like it just was one of those things. Um, so anyway, like I said, 10 people, eight men, two women. They were all kind of um, friends and students of each other. And they also had a sport or they also had an instructor with them on this hike, hiking and skiing expedition. Out of the entire group, there ended up being one lone survivor. Everybody else died. Yuri Yefimovich Yudin. Hopefully I said that correct who lived only because he wasn't feeling well about, you know, halfway through the hike and decided to turn back. So he actually did not camp out with them that night, which is when all of this went down. Um, however, all the rest of the hikers died. So six of the hikers died of hypothermia, two died of various degrees of chest trauma, and another died of a fatal skull fracture. Now, these fracture injuries showed no outward signs on the bodies. So, like, the bodies themselves looked like nothing had happened. It was all internal damage, um, which actually led investigators to believe that the injuries were caused by extreme pressure because it almost it was if, as if like a car accident where you like get slammed into something yeah. too, like quick and hard, right? Um, but, but the freaky part of it is that in addition, some of the bodies showed soft tissue damage with eyes, a tongue, and even eyebrows missing from some of the bodies wow. that people just couldn't explain. Some of the bodies were in states of undress as well, like some people were missing socks, some kind of like, you know, like just weird stuff. And uh, and it appeared that they had left their tents after whatever happened had happened to them. They got out of their tents in an emergency by instead of like just leaving the tent, they cut themselves out of it from the inside to get out. Hmm. Do you remember any of this? Does this is yeah. ringing a bell? Yeah. And I and I'm I, I'm remembering that I also have watched a horror movie that's like Ooh. based mm -hmm. on this. That's what I was just looking up. Yeah, um, there's a lot of movies and a lot of documentaries based on this. Yeah. Tons of TV shows have tried to explain it, all of it. Totally. Um, And then, okay, so, okay, then you start thinking, okay, well, maybe they got attacked by um an animal or something or blah, 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 blah. But then <laughs> some of the bodies actually were exposed to radiation. 
which nobody could really explain. So here are some of the theories as to what might have happened at this event. One of them is uh, military. The Russian military were doing top secret missions in the area and that the group unknowingly got caught in the crosshairs and then were just, you know, uh, wrong place at the wrong time. Uh, this is somewhat supported by other hikers in the area giving their eyewitness accounts that they saw glowing objects in the sky around the time that the group deaths were supposed to have happened, as well as, like I said before, the unknown radiation on the bodies. A lot of people are saying like that, that, you know, that proves that there was some military practice being yeah. done in the area. Uh, there were native tribes in the area that some thought may have murdered them. This actually was later proven to be completely untrue. Um, while there were footsteps kind of in and around the campsite that people found, there were no signs of struggle, no signs of like combat, hand to hand combat or anything. None of the wounds really right. made sense for what a fight would have been like. So they that was uh, wiped off the list. Obviously, a natural disaster of some sort, hurricane, a catabatic wind, which sounds like it's just a really strong wind that can move big uh, things of snow, mm -hmm. uh, avalanche, things of that nature. Um, however, there was no signs of an avalanche in any of the other surrounding areas. There were other hikers in the area that said they didn't see anything and weren't affected by anything like this. So that's why a lot of people kind of dismissed that one. Infrasound, infra sorry, caused by the wind, which would have set off panic attacks in the hikers, causing them to flee in the night down the slope to get away from the sound, hmm. only to then realize when they were far enough away and coming to their senses that they were now lost in the dark and couldn't make their way back, Oof, which would geez. account for all of that kind of like weirdness at the site. So when I saw that, I was like, I don't know, really, what, are you, what are they talking about? But I guess you could acquaint it to um, those sounds that... We're making those, um, oh, what do you call it? Happened in like 2016. Remember when that news story came out about sounds that were making um, embassy people sick? Oh, and I don't they, know, but let me try said, to look yeah, that up. I think in 2017, Cuba and China were accused of messing with the U.S. embassies by putting a, like s some sort of like sound weapon and it, it and I think recently they just got um looked into again wow when I looked this up it led me to uh an article about the sound of cicadas making people sick oh weird I didn't know about so that. that is not uh that is not uh the uh, Havana, are you talking about the Havana embassy mystery? Yes. Yeah, U.S. officials say that dozens of diplomats in Cuba were, were felled by a sonic attack. Mm -hmm. But the likeliest culprit is far less futuristic and more terrifying. That's what this article says. Oh, well, I don't know. It's but been yeah. a while since I looked up any of that stuff because it kind of fell off the map of the news. But anyway, that's kind of what I equated it to with this, that basically they had gotten like some something was creating a sound. Uh, a lot of people proposed that the wind was actually the one to do it. And it like triggered something in these folks. They dashed to get away from it. And then when they got realized that what was happening, they were too far and they got lost and then died because of exposure. Although that being the case, it doesn't explain any of 
Like, why are there eyes and eyebrows and tongues missing? Why do yeah. people have like major chest trauma? Like, that doesn't help. Um, and then paranormal occurrences, of course, there was aliens, yetis, et cetera, et cetera. It's all been laid out there. So a new theory coming out of the Journal of Communications, Earth and Environment Researchers present data pointing to the likelihood that a bizarrely small delayed avalanche may have actually been what was the cause of the gruesome injuries and the deaths of the nine experienced hikers. So this possible small avalanche would explain why there were no signs of an avalanche anywhere else, why it seemed to be super localized, while the avalanche, when they did look at it after it happened, it just kind of looked like a snowdrift. It didn't look like an actual avalanche. Um, why other hikers in the area didn't get affected by it at all. Yada, yada, yada. Wait, real quick, just so you know, mm-hmm. in the Havana embassy <laughs> mystery, they are saying that it might have been cicadas or crickets. Mm. That's why that came up. I mean, cicadas are super annoying. Yeah. Yeah. Um... Okay, so uh, I, I'm getting super serious with this here, and it gets a little yeah. sciencey. Let me just say that Disney works its way in. Oh my god, that's my hook. That is my hook. Disney finds a way. So the Russian government actually reopened the case, uh, and I believe declared in 2019 that the deaths were caused by avalanche. Most people thought that they were lying because hey, it's Russia, but yeah. also. Um, There wasn't a ton of evidence really saying why they thought avalanche was the thing, but seems like they might be right. Um, Many many disputed it with the avalanche theory being originally proposed in 1959. So an avalanche was always on the docket in the first place because there was no evidence that an avalanche had ever occurred in the area, which we talked about before. Plus a lot of the injuries, especially the soft tissue ones, were atypical for an avalanche, kind of. However, these two scientists, Alexander Puzrin, Puzrin, a geotechnical engineer at, oh my God, ETH Zurich, one of Switzerland's federal institutes of technology. He actually recently wrote a paper on small location avalanches. And Johan Gom, pardon for these names, I don't know if I'm pronouncing them correctly, head of the Snow Avalanche Simulation Laboratory at EPFL. So super fucking smart dudes. Uh, which was another Swiss Federal Technical Institute. They basically teamed up to see if the small avalanche theory is correct. Uh, So they actually went to Disney Animation Studios because one of them was so impressed with the way that snow was depicted in Frozen. Oh my gosh. That he asked if they could simulate the code for it so that he could use that to test his theories on his computer. (laughs) That's interesting. Right? Um, so this is basically what they came up with. So the narrow ravine that the hikers had set up camp with was actually overburdened by drifts of snow and an underlying snow later that was unclumped and very weak. And then add to that the fact that none of the topography actually looked dangerous because of so much snow being on it that it looked flat. They didn't realize that they were actually in a danger zone. Um, and so it tricked them into thinking they were camping in a safe area. Uh, right. There were high winds, so part of those original theories about those uh, uh, crazy winds was ended up being true. There were high winds, and they know this for a fact because they found some of the hikers' notes, and the notes and the hike or the hikers actually written in their notes that they were being affected by these terrible winds. Um, so those those winds actually brought additional heavy snow 
to the already sketchy load that was on the mountain. So it just keeps piling up on them. Um, and uh, and that the Disney Frozen Code simulation showed that a mini avalanche could have actually occurred that was the size of an SUV, which is actually a little bit more dangerous because instead of being one gigantic swath yeah. of energy that gets spread over a big amount of space, it was like really directed down this specific ravine where all these people are staying. Yeah. So then why are there why are these traumatic injuries in such a small avalanche? Well, it was discovered that some of the hikers actually put their bedding on top of their skis. So basically placed themselves and their backs against a wall where some of the other ones were just sleeping on the snow. So that when the snow came through, the people that were sleeping in the snow kind of got swept up and sucked up into the snow. And I'm sure it hurt as much as fucking humanly possible. But, you know, better survival rate than being up against a hard wooden wall and then having this like, basically a brick of ice come and smash into you and basically squish you in between ice and a hard spot and then smashing all your internal organs, which is basically what happened. This is a morbid thought, but it would be so interesting if when they ran these simulations, if they used like the models of Anna and Elsa in the simulation to see how their bodies reacted to the avalanche. So they didn't use Anna and Elsa, but they actually used real human bodies that GM would use. So basically GM would go and take cadavers that they had were able to get and place them in cars and and wreck them to see what would happen as safety procedure tests. And so they were able to go to GM. So they're hitting up Disney and GM, they were able to go to wow. GM and ask GM, like, hey, what's the deal? Is this what blunt force trauma in this kind of a situation would look like? And they're like, absolutely. Oof. So, yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, so while those injuries of the people getting smashed into their skis would have been severe, they wouldn't have been fatal right away. So those people were basically crushed and then died a really slow and incredibly sad, painful death. And because of it, it's believed that the uninjured members dug themselves out, hence the tent that was opened from the inside out, uh, and then dug out their injured friends out of the snow and waited it out with them. Thus, that is why they then died of hypothermia, because they didn't want to leave their dying friends behind who were possibly still alive. Yeah. Um, the state of undress still leans into the possibility of a paradoxical undressing, which I had never heard of before this. And that's apparently when you remove clothing because you feel as if you're actually burning, but in real life, you're freezing. So like if you ever touch Whoa. something so cold that it feels as if it's burning you instead of freezing you, apparently that can happen to you when you're starting to freeze outside and people Jesus. get so hot that they actually take their clothes off thinking they're getting they're burning when really they're freezing yeah oh my Ooh. gosh i know it's rough it's rough so the state of undress still leans into the possibility of that uh the radiation has been theorized to be thorium released from the group's camping lanterns uh, and the missing eyes and tongues, nobody really knows for sure. A lot of people thinks it's, think it's scavengers. Some people think it was like just some of the trauma that happened because of the ice and the snow smashing into these people and dragging them. Um, nobody's really sure what it is. So that's still mm-hmm. a maybe. And then that is the end of my DL Talk wow. story. Oh my gosh. I know, right? 
It sounds like it's going to make an amazing, uh, like, Discovery Channel special one day where they show those reenactments and and the Mm -hmm. animations. That's wild. It's also funny, not funny, but it's interesting that, um, like, why would this case be reopened multiple times? It's not like, I mean, I guess there's an angle where foul play could have been suspected, but you'd think it would just be forever a mystery. The idea that there's still resources being put in to investigating yeah. this to the level where you can go to a Disney and a GM to mm-hmm. for help in the research. That's like pretty interesting. I mean, this is a, I mean, this mystery, I mean, as famous as it is here in and of itself, it's like mega famous Yeah, over in Russia. And uh, it, yeah, I mean, I think maybe they keep looking into it. I mean, Part of it was the original investigation, which, because it was so odd. Like, I just, like, everybody, I think the main point is just the way that the bodies were found was so incredibly strange that nobody has ever seen anything like that ever again. Like, they're just like, it's such a rare occurrence that these people were caught up in this spot at that exact moment. But then there were also, like, uh, Russian testing going on in those areas. Other hikers did report seeing really bright lights in the sky. Like there yeah. were all of these. There, you know, there was kind of a um, um, a bit of a um, oh, what's the word? Not war. A bit of a um, I can't I can't think of the word. But you know, the the like natives in the area uh were not thrilled with what how they were being treated. Like there yeah. was all of this stuff going on to kind of create the perfect mystery. Right. But um and even with the mystery possibly being explained as okay, an avalanche from a scientist's point of view, like I mean I would love it to be a paranormal thing, but obviously that's not the case. But even from a scientist's point of view, it's still such a unique like moment that so rarely occurs yeah that even like even though we potentially know the answer now the scientists are still stoked they're like oh my god this is great like i've never seen anything like this before so i think part of it was that um the original investigation the mystery surrounding the bodies and how odd that was the fact that so many people were blaming like paranormal activity for it and or like government conspiracy theories behind it that the government actually felt it necessary to reopen the case just to prove to everybody that they were not involved. Like that's kind of the vibe I got from, from all of that. All right. So I got two other small news things since that took up most of our time. Uh, Man hides from coronavirus and authorities in the O'Hare airport for three months. Have you seen this? Whoa, no. Yes. This is like uh, that Tom Hanks movie. It is. So a California man was recently arrested in O'Hare Airport after being discovered living in a restricted area and living off of the food from strangers for three months. He went undetected completely for three wow. months. When questioned, he said he was too scared to fly back to California due to coronavirus and decided to hide it out in O'Hare when he was discovered by United Airlines staff, they confronted him and asked for his name and ID. They said he removed his mask to show them his face and then handed them an airport ID badge, which he claimed was his, but which was actually a lost ID badge from an airport operations manager 
from a few months before wow. that he reported as being lost. So wow. now this guy is in court. Uh, he's up for, gosh, I can't remember what I should have written in the notes. Like of all the notes that I forgot to write, I, I forgot to write what he's in for. Yeah, what's the charge on I that? I think it's trespassing and loitering and like a yeah. couple other things because of the restricted restricted area that he was found into. It's like, it's upping the ante on that a little bit. The judge made a good point. Like what the fuck? Like the judge literally, if he could have said what the fuck, he would have said what the fuck. But instead of swearing in court, he basically was like, uh, you guys, like the whole point of airport security and restricted yeah. areas is that you're not supposed to let randos walk in there to do whatever it is they want. And this guy has been doing that for three months. Are you fucking kidding me? Yeah, that's is essentially wild. what that boiled down to, which it's like, yeah, what the hell? Like, this. oh, my God, whatever. Nothing, you know. It's all, but it's just all bullshit. <laughs> it's cute it's when Tom Hanks does it, but well, no, it's not even that. It's like the illusion of safety, like because the Tom Hanks movie wasn't it that he couldn't cross the border because something was wrong with his passport, so his only option was to live in the airport. But he didn't. He lived in the airport. He wasn't living in restricted areas. Like the issue here is that these are restricted areas. There's airport security. The fact that this guy, this random guy had an ID badge from an airport's operations manager and managed to live undetected in these areas for three fucking months blows my goddamn mind. Like, are you kidding yeah. me? How he, is what? In the terminal, he uh, he lived in a in a gate that was under construction. Still. Yeah. Still. Like, you know, it's not like airports have completely shut down. You still need to totally. be safe for the people that are flying, not to mention the people that are working at the airport and on these flights. Like, what is the point of all this incredibly stringent security if totally. none of it works? It just, that's, that's what I mean. It's like the illusion. It's this illusion of safety via rules, which really none of it. It's just all bullshit. It's yeah. just all bullshit. Anyway, yeah. that's my own hot take on that. Moving on. It was still a cool story, though, so I thought I'd toss it in here. Yeah. Moving on, because today's Groundhog's Day, and, and not that we all haven't been living in a perpetual Groundhog's Day since last totally. year. But I figured a little bit of Groundhog Day history, and then we can call it a wrap. Groundhog's Day, besides being an excellent movie starring Bill Murray, FYI, comes from the Pennsylvania Dutch. I have heard a variety of reasons as to why the Pennsylvania Dutch uh, eventually adopted it and called it Groundhog's Day. Um, uh, the one that they talk about in Wiki is that uh, the Pennsylvania Dutch who came from German-speaking areas of Europe actually used a badger back in their country to predict the weather and that it was also tied to the German tradition of Candlemas, which is when the presentation of Jesus at or in the temple isn't early episode in the life of Jesus describing his presentation at the temple in Jerusalem in order to officially induct him into Judaism. I don't know. Wow. I, I, yeah. I, 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 was, I was Catholic, so I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't remember. I mean, and when I say I was, I, I was Catholic, I am Catholic. I mean, like, you know, we, my family has ties yeah. to Catholic, but I, we never really did anything anyway. So, um, so yeah, essentially boiling that down to, uh, you know, it was just another thing they did to celebrate this holiday. Yeah. 
uh, back in uh, their original country, and then they just brought it across to the U.S., and because we didn't have badgers here, they ended up using um, groundhogs. That's what I was just seeing, which I've never heard before. But then I also... use a badger, or uh, you can use a... They could use a bear or a fox, too. Oh, I didn't know that. To predict well, the weather. I also heard today on NPR that... Um, they also used hedgehogs, but that hedgehogs aren't native to God, Pennsylvania, it's, it's so just then they a just free for used, all. So then they just used uh, groundhogs. Yeah. And that is it. That's all I got. I just thought it was cute. It is cute. Groundhogs are cute, but I tell you what's not cute is yeah, like you said, feeling like we've been trapped on our own Groundhog Day to the point where I don't I don't have any time for any of the shows and movies that have been doing the time loop thing i just saw a trailer for yet another one like a young adult one what are you talking um, about uh like uh the the show russian doll or palm springs the andy samberg movie um you know there's a new one there's some teenage show coming out where it's like they're stuck in a temporal time loop mm. and i'm like i don't I'd like i i want to see that about as much as i want to see a movie set during the pandemic with Anne Hathaway where she's <laughs> yeah. trying to steal jewels. It's the same thing. I'm like, I'm good. It feels like the same day every day in reality. I don't understand how I have literally nothing to do and yet somehow my days are busier than before the pandemic. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, my God. My day, like, I just don't get it. Like, I don't understand it. Like, today, Bowser, I got up. At 7.30 in the morning. 7.30 uh -huh. in the fucking morning. Which to me, when you don't have anything really to do, is insane. Like, why right. would you get up that early? Up at 7.30 in the morning. Took my kid to school. Ended up coming back. Writing notes for the show. Like, the day just... I don't know. What happened yeah. to my day? Like, it just disappeared. And I still didn't get everything I wanted to get done done. Like, I still needed to go and get, like, kitty litter. <laughs> yeah yeah the days are definitely packed i've uh put a lot on my plate and all i want to do is sit down and play games undisturbed forever yeah. really yeah anyway anyway it is what it is until it isn't anymore and so i Amen. just gotta, right so it's just Amen. a matter of just waiting it out yep that's all we can do Waiting it out. So right. with that being said, that is it on my uh, weird news that I uh, missed and also adored and caught up on while I was gone. Yeah. Well, and, at, uh, yeah. as I was going to say earlier, we had a fun little party uh, when, while you weren't here. We did a listener story week. Nice. And there were a lot of good stories. It was uh, it was intense. There was Very a lot nice. of really interesting ones. Yeah. Very good. Cool. All right. So well, you want to sign us out? Yeah, I guess I'll sign us off. You've been listening to... Jessica Chobot and Andrew Bowser. And this has been The Untold, Untold Hour. Hour. Bye. Untoldians, that is it for this episode of The Untold Hour. Thank you for joining us on this weird and wild ride into the bazaar. If you are interested in sharing your own story of the weird, send us your listener stories to theuntoldhourpod at gmail.com. Come join the Untold Hour Convo over on my Discord server and our Facebook group. And you can follow us on our socials, Instagram at The Untold Hour and at Untold Hour Pod on Twitter.
Star Brands Audio, a, podca- <clears throat> a podcast network.